What's up, folks? Good morning. Today is officially Thursday, February 16th, 2023. That's a callback to Tuesday's show where I said it was Thursday. Welcome to episode number 305 of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. I'm your host, Dr. Gerald Dozier, and over the next 45 minutes, me, you, Andrew Nakamura, Harish, Asha, Kerry, Cyber Munchkin, Funky Monk, Greg Fowler, and so many others are going to be delivering and consuming the top cybersecurity news stories of the day. And I'll be giving my professional opinion and analysis on each of those stories, on what it means to you as a practitioner, how is it relevant to the macro level picture of our industry. If you're looking to break in, don't think that this is over your head. Uh, understanding terminology, understanding threat actors, understanding kind of workflows and big picture stuff, plus networking with this group is going to be worth your time, I guarantee you. But before we get into the news, let's shower some love with the show's sponsors, starting with Barricade Cyber Solutions. Barricade Cyber Solutions is dedicated to helping businesses recover from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done. Cyber attacks can cause massive issues for businesses and send uh, dedicated, hardworking business owners into turmoil, but Barricade Cyber Solutions, oh, you better believe they know how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents. If you want their help, if you want their um, brain trust, their knowledge, their expertise, their skill, check them out at barricadecyber.com. Links in the description below. I am on the site right now if you're joining us live on stream or on replay. This is Eric Taylor. Eric Taylor's the man. Barricade Cyber is bigger than just Eric Taylor, but he is the lead investigator. Uh, you can get on his schedule just by clicking through this um, calendar interface on the website. You can talk to him at noon today. Guys, do yourself a favor. Do your business a favor. Have a phone call with Eric and get things lined up in advance before it's, you know, before your business is on fire, frankly. Also want to say shout out and love to IT Pro TV, now IT Pro by ACI Learning. Uh, a ton of excellent content uh, over there, practice exams, course videos, uh, really, really professionally done. I've enjoyed it. If um, you're interested in learning more, um, Simply Cyber is an affiliate. We have a relationship with them. So get 30% off with coupon code Simply, Simply Cyber 30 um, and get 30% off your first month, your first year. Check it out. It's it's, it's excellent content, practice exams, etc. Um, it is What's Your Meme Thursday, so stay tuned for Haircut Fish's weekly custom Simply Cyber community meme. He does great work with that. This one's a this one's a special one. It's a collab where Justin Gold and Dan Reardon collabed on this one. It is, again, I don't censor any of these, and they always crack me up, guys. I want to remind you, each episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing is worth half a CPE. Thanks for the sub, Robert Harrell. So be sure to say what's up in chat. We've got we've got inclusion, guys. You want to talk about diversity and inclusion. Want to say what's up to hashtag team live. Drop it in chat if you're here. I absolutely love that you make this part of your day. 68 of us right now. I think we can I think those are rookie numbers. I think we can I think we can bump those numbers up to 170. So let's see how we can do. If you're watching on replay, hashtag team replay. Thanks for catching the stream. Definitely drop a comment in the comments. Um, I do love seeing those. I heart tons of them. It's a lot of fun. Also, two new uh, classes of viewer that I want to recognize. Hashtag 
Lurkers, formerly known as hashtag Lurker, hashtag Passive Observer. If you're in chat, but you don't say anything, you're just here to consume the news and, and be introverted, you are absolutely welcome to be here. You are a member of the community, even if you're not engaging. I encourage you to engage because it's massive value uh, networking, but don't, don't sweat it if uh, you don't. Also, this one came up yesterday. Uh, our good friend, internal stranger, the Aussie, oi, 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 I think he coined this one. Want to say hello to hashtag team hybrid, the people who come in late and watch 2x to get caught up to where we are. So if you're team replay and team live, you got one foot in both buckets, you're hashtag team hybrid. Welcome to the party. Okay, guys, I'll see you guys at the mid roll. But for now, for those of you who just want to consume the news and you're like, enough with all this talking, Jerry, let's get into the news. Sit back, relax, and let the velvety tones of CISO series cybersecurity headlines inform, educate, and entertain you. Let's go ahead. I'll see you at the mid-roll. From the CISO series, it's cybersecurity headlines. It's Thursday, February 16th, 2023. Israeli influence group exposed. The Guardian published a report looking at an Israeli hacking group known as Team George, which purports to have manipulated over 30 elections over the last two decades. The unit is apparently run by Tal Hanan, a former Israeli special forces operative who operated a private service to influence elections across Africa, South and Central America, the U.S. and Europe. Mm. Part of his operation used a software suite called Advanced Impact Media Solutions, which controlled thousands of fake social media profiles across different platforms. The group's tactics also included planting material for news outlets to cover and hacking into Gmail and Telegram accounts. A group of journalists recorded meetings with Hanan to get information on the group posing as potential clients. All right, guys, um, here's the deal. Okay, a couple things, couple things to share. Um, actually, I'm also going to put background music on uh, when the podcast or the songs aren't talking. I'm kind of curious. I'll take some uh, some feedback on this really quickly. Hold on one second. Just just while I'm talking, we'll see how it goes. Okay, so guys, here's the deal. Um, if you do not know, okay, Israel is fantastic at uh, identifying, recruiting, developing cybersecurity talent, right? And I, I know there's a lot of like, um, I guess, I don't know if it qualifies as racism, but there's a lot of like prejudice um, in the world. Um, and, and, and I don't know why, I don't know why, but like, whatever. Put that aside and let me tell you, when a security technology comes out from Israel, thumbs up, right? Palo Alto, great example. Like Israeli Israelis make sick information security products. And I think it's because a lot of them uh, go through the military, they get identified, they get uh, educated, they get access to um, technologies and skills and development, and then they get out of the military. And what are they going to do with this fresh skill set that they've got? They're going to make great businesses and deliver excellent cybersecurity. So anyways, whenever, like just as a quick editorial, whenever I see a product that is Israeli based, I'm interested immediately. That is like, that's like a, a, a like the velvet rope gets unhinged and I walk in like that's like, or, or the Israeli tool walks in because they make great products. Okay. Now here's the thing. You can't be so naive and you can't be so naive frankly is the right word here to think that every single person coming out of this um manufacturing process of making awesome cybersecurity talent 
is going to be aligned to good, okay? Some people are people, man. And some of them are just all about straight cash. Some of them want to maximize the value of their knowledge base and skill set. And sometimes it's for nefarious purposes. Now, we famously saw Cambridge Analytica, a UK-based um, firm that essentially, like their whole pitch was that they could win elections for you in democratic countries, okay? Which is obviously <laughs> undermines democracy, okay? But uh, watch The Great Hack on Netflix. You'll see it. They did it in Trinidad, Tobago. They did it with Brexit. They did it with the 2016 election. Um, okay, in the United States. Okay, so it, it does not surprise me that this is happening. Now, this is wild that this Team George, um, it required an undercover investigation of journalists posing as people who want uh, a presidential election rigged. Um, they must have been very effective because I, I would guarantee you this guy right here, his name is Tal Hanan. I, you gotta you gotta imagine that this guy's doing every trick in the book to um, fact check, validate, background screen any clients. Cause like, dude, this is a really hot illegal enterprise, and you definitely, or maybe it's not illegal, but it's definitely a hot enterprise that you do not want to get out there. Um, apparently, he's been doing it for years. He's undermined 33 elections. Uh, he claims. Um, and, and he's just been exposed. So I'm glad, um, I'm glad he's been exposed. Um, you know, like guys, the idea of a democratic society empowers people to want to, you know, contribute and be part of the society. If you're dealing with dictators and tyrants and authoritarians, the people are the ones who get screwed, right? So this thing right here is kind of sketchy because essentially you're promising to the population fair elections, but in reality, the people in power are manipulating and using techniques. And this guy's pulled every trick out of the book, technical exploitation, social engineering, um, you know, manipulation, disinformation campaigns. This is a, um, <laughs> this is a masterclass on how to run clandestine operations um, for, you know, geopolitical uh, influence and power. So I would expect this story to make bigger waves. This is way too big a story to just be like an infosec world story. Okay. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it, this is, this is crazy. Like great story to lead with uh CISO series. I, I like it. Yeah. And just really quickly, um, Zach's not on board. Exactly. Not forcing people to vote. Like if you look at the Cambridge Analytica story, it's not like, like, oh, I'm going to vote, um, like, Jerry's going to vote Democratic, okay? Like, and I'm hard, hardline Democrat, okay? Like, you're not going to convince me to vote Republican, right? Or I'm hardline Republican. You're not going to convince me. But there's a large swath of people who are in the middle who can be swayed one way or the other. And it's by using, you know, psych psychology, frankly, to poke and prod at things that are emotionally uh, charging to me in the middle that make me want to lean one way or the other, right? So that that's it. Like like a very simple example that is like a, it's like a silly example, but it'll make the point. You find like I buy dog food online. You buy from a data broker and see that I buy lots of dog food. Like clearly I must have a bunch of dogs. Clearly I love dogs. Okay, so then you send a targeted ad pointing out that like um like so you're trying to convince me not to vote um for. Uh, candidate A. So I get a targeted ad pointing out that candidate candidate A um, 
sponsored a bill that euthanized 10,000 dogs or something like that. And I'm like, oh, the humanity. I love dogs. F that candidate, right? That That's that's kind of like a very simple example of how you can influence, okay? It gets way more complicated. This is going to be a huge story. Um, so stay tuned. Another day, another record DDoS. Cloudflare reports it saw a massive DDoS attack over the weekend, achieving 71 million requests per second at its peak. This saw 54% more requests than previous record DDoS Google recorded back in June. The attack originated from over 30,000 IP addresses and came as part of a flood of DDoS attempts over the weekend, targeting a variety of organizations. This marks a continued trend for DDoS attacks coming from cloud providers. Traditionally, these attacks came from residential ISPs using botnet-infected machines. According to Cloudflare, the number of HTTP-based DDoS attacks increased 79% on the year in Q4. Yeah, okay, like, obviously, um, here, I got to keep toggling this music on and off. I don't know if we're long for this music thing. Um, okay, guys, like, this should be no surprise to anyone that threat actors are abusing cloud in order to distribute the denial of service attack. Think about it for a second, guys. Like, this is how it works. A distributed denial of service attack is taking a bunch of compromised hosts or hosts that opt in if you're like a, a, a hacktivist and commanding them to attack something on the internet. Well, instead of like getting ISPs and like infecting that way, if the cloud, which is, you know, accessible anywhere on the internet and can access anything on the internet, right? Public facing IPs. That is a huge, huge opportunity of assets that you can command and and and, and command to attack, right? So it is so obvious to me that cloud would be a rich target source for hackers to compromise in order to have a stable of distributed denial of service attacks, right? Especially, you know, I, it, it didn't get into this, but I could imagine quite easily if you think about it, right? The whole, the whole like. The whole promise of the cloud, right? Like, oh, the promise of the cloud, right? Is elasticity, scalability, only pay for what you need. Like, um, the Super Bowl, right? Like, 50 million people watch the Super Bowl, right? So in order to support that level of stream, right? Because a lot of people were watching online. You have to scale up the amount of infrastructure to support that demand. But you don't need the infrastructure to support 50 million viewers of a single program on a Tuesday night at 2 a.m., right? So you scale it down. This is really interesting to the business because they don't have to pay for the, the infrastructure for 50 million people streaming all the time. That's scalability and elasticity. With this, dude, if you're going to run a distributed denial of service attack and you can scale up the, the power and the infrastructure with like a click of a button or even automate it? Hell yeah. Like as a threat actor, I'd, I'd be like licking my chops. That's like bringing me a 75 ounce tomahawk steak. I'm like, holy crap, I can scale this sucker up? Yes, please. I'll take two, right? So th that's what's going on there. No surprise. Um, you should just be mindful that the likelihood of a distributed denial of service attack happening is going to increase because the the weaponry, the armory that threat actors are having access to to deploy these type of attacks is increasing, right? So be mindful of that. You should, if you are a, if you are an online business, right? If you're a Netflix, if you're 
uh, like let's just say simplycyber.io, my website. Like let's say that like all the streams came from simplycyber.io and like all my courses and stuff were on simplycyber.io. Like that would be the online presence of my business. You can bet your butt I would be highly, highly motivated and incentivized to make sure that simplycyber.io could withstand distributed denial of service attacks, right? So that would be a control that I would want to purchase or implement or make sure that whoever my hosting provider is offers distributed denial of service protections, right? It's just an attack and, and, and a control and a risk mitigation. That's all it is. But because because I do all these other things, um, I don't I don't need distributed denial of service attack on simplycyber.io, all right? But I bet you Google, YouTube, I bet you I bet you anything, they have distributed denial of service attack controls in place. Cut cables lead to Lufthansa outage. The German airline Lufthansa grounded all flights early on February 15th after damage to four Deutsche Telekom fiber broadband cables at a rail location in northern Frankfurt disrupted its IT operations at its global flight operations center. Some flights resumed later in the day, but it didn't expect flights in Frankfurt to resume until early evening. The broadband cables were damaged by concrete drills working in the area. As of this recording, Deutsche Telekom repaired two of the cables, but couldn't comment when all would be fixed. Yep. So this is a whole this is a whole thing. Okay. Like we always focus on cyber attacks. Um, we always focus on cyber attacks, and you've got to be mindful that yes, threat actors, human operators, script kiddies, hacktivists, revenge seekers, disgruntled employees, insider threats. They make up like 80%, 85%, 90% of the threats. When you're doing threat assessment, threat modeling, etc., you should mostly be thinking about those threat actors. But you would be incomplete and not a comprehensive professional. Bust this out at an interview. You would be incomplete and not comprehensive if you did not account for environmental threats and um, natural threats. So a hurricane, a tornado environmental like an air conditioner leaking on a server rack right or bro like a boat dragging an anchor across the bottom of the ocean floor and ripping a fiber optic line a construction piece of machinery drilling down into the broadband cables and blowing it up that's what happened here guys you got to account for that in your threat model people will be like oh my god you're such a you're such a ridiculous um like chicken little jerry like thinking of all these situations that aren't going to happen Ugh, right well you're like all right that's fine here's the reality business person it can happen the likelihood is low the impact is high and guess what you wouldn't say this to the business person but the network stack the osi layer guess what yeah there's a lot of tech going on there's a transport layer network layer mac layer data link frames packets all that sh but the bottom layer, the physical layer, that needs to be in place too, my friend. That is just as important as all the other layers. And if I cut your freaking Cat5 line or I stomp on your fiber optic line, the whole stack breaks. So it's a real threat and you need to consider it in your threat model. Sun, and then like a microphone just appears and you drop it and then leave, right? Go get some tacos. So Luthanza, you would think an airline operator would have backup systems, continuity plans. They prop they may not have been uh, thinking of um, like this particular threat, 
right? It's a, it's a, it's a NIST control. There is a NIST 853 control for moderate and high level systems that, that asks you to have a secondary, uh, not just secondary site to run your stuff, but secondary communication lines in place, at least in a warm standby, uh, so you could turn them on and, and maintain business operations. So happy to hear Luthans is back up and running. Um, the, the key takeaway here for me to educate you is really that threats don't have to be elite zero day hackers wearing hoodies. It can be Carl driving a bulldozer, right? I saw when I went to just a quick one. So like when I went to uh, Antarctica, one of the one of the places I went in Antarctica is McMurdo Station. Okay, you can Google it. It's like the it's like the main station. At McMurdo, it's like a mining town. They don't have like they have like dirt roads and it, it's it's wicked dirty. It, but they ran a, 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 a the internet cable across across the station, and there was one spot where they had like a, a ramp built. Like it was just like some 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 uh, some like heavy plywood, right? And wouldn't you know, every time a freaking big truck or, or piece of construction equipment went over it, the internet would, would bounce. And it's because they were literally pinching, <laughs> pinching the line, pinching the line, right? The easy fix, dig a deeper trench and run the line that way. But whoever laid it out the first time, which was just like spooling off cat cable, let it roll. So you've got to be mindful of that in your threat model, okay? Anonymous Sudan ruins Sweden's Valentine's Day. A cyber attack on Scandinavian Airlines knocked its website offline and caused its mobile app to leak user data. Some customers attempting to log into the SAS app saw other customers' account information, including contact info and itineraries, but this didn't include passport information. Sweden's national public broadcaster, SVT, as well as some universities, telcos, and private companies also reported cyber attacks. The group Anonymous Sudan took credit for the attacks. This supposedly occurred in response to the burning of a Quran during a January protest in Stockholm. The Russian-backed UserSec group said on Telegram it assisted Anonymous Sudan in the airline attack. And now... Um, like, Jesus, man. Burning a Quran? the hell's wrong with you? Uh, yeah, Johnny, I've been to Antarctica. During the jawjacking section, if you're new here, Johnny, we do jawjacking at the end. I'll share some photos and stuff like that. It's pretty, pretty fun. Um... Okay, so this is an example of a hacktivism, hacktivist. We don't see this all the time. Um, Anonymous is a hacker collective. They typically uh, crop up uh, when there is kind of hacktivism type things. Uh, Black Lives Matter, Occupy Wall Street. Um, famously, um, there was a, an, an incident with... Um, a child at Boston Children's uh, Memorial or Boston Children's Hospital, uh, where the hospital like took the child away from the parents, and anonymous attacked the hospital. You can Google that story. Anyways, this is an example of hacktivism. It's difficult to. I mean, you would defend against it the same way you would defend from professional cyber criminals, uh, but it, it's kind of difficult to you know like these things crop up like mushrooms in your yard after the rain. Like it's not. It's not really in your threat model. Like you should be doing general foundational practices and securing your assets and stuff like that. But um, when something like this happens, uh, and anonymous traditionally has been very effective uh, in achieving their goals, whatever that is. Um, in this case, um, I'm I'm just trying to look. I, I I was I was trying to pull up the photos from Antarctica while we were talking, but uh, basically, Scandinavian airline. Um, 
its website went offline. So um, I don't know if that was like a denial of service attack. Customer data was exposed. So I, I don't know. Like, I mean, this is definitely not good. But I wouldn't say that this is huge um, in, in the in the scheme, in the grand scheme of like cyber attacks and stuff like that. Obviously, this matters to Scandinavian Airlines that their website was down. But, um, you know, it's not ransomware. It's not, uh, you know, internal sensitive emails dropped or anything like that. Um, passport details are not part of the compromise. Okay, so um, Scandinavian Airlines gets hit because of some activism. I don't understand... Like, I'm not going to get into the story. I don't know who burned the Quran, and I don't know why Scandinavian Airlines got hit. Like, it sounds like somebody in Sweden at a protest burned a Quran. So the response was to attack a Swedish business. So, like, it seems like Scandinavian Airlines just happened to be like wrong place, wrong time. They weren't, they, it wasn't like, hey, fly Scandinavian Airlines. We go to all over the European Union and we burn Korans. Like they were not involved with it. I think they just happened to be a visible business that could be made a, a, an example of. Uh, basically to, like we're talking about it right now, right? If, if, if Anonymous Sudan had hit some small, Joel Belton's Swedish ice cream shop, it may not have made news and it wouldn't have had the impact. Uh, so by hitting a large one, it does. Okay. So there we go. A word from our sponsor, us. Yes, the CISO series. Every week, one of the stories from cybersecurity headlines comes up in our team meetings, said Brett Conlon, the CISO for American Century Investments, who admits he starts his day with this very show. And did you know that cybersecurity headlines has longevity? Yeah, it's a daily news show, but we see significant downloads for four months after episodes air. That means your ad campaign will continue to live long after the premiere airing. To learn more about pricing and audience, email us at info at CISOseries.com. All right, it is the mid-roll, which means we do things here, people. Whether you're team live, team replay, team hybrid, or team passive observer, Don't you forget about me. All right, guys, if you're getting educational value, entertainment value, take a hot second. I know it might be inconvenient to like close chat on your mobile device and get to the thumbs up, but dude, hook me up. Hit the like button for a second, okay? It's one easy way to say thank you, Jerry. I, you know, I show up every single day. I know many of you show up every single day and I genuinely appreciate it. Thank you for being here. But I show up every single day, you know, pretty much without miss and um, d deliver these threat briefings. So just hook me up with a, with a like. I appreciate it. Again, thanks to Barricade Cyber Solutions and ACI Learning for their sponsoring of the month of February. I de definitely appreciate it. Yeah, Michael Vito from the Philippines. Love it. Guys, if you aren't familiar with it, you want to get an email from me um, on Monday morning, Sign up for that newsletter. I send it every Monday, delivering value. That's my goal, man. Deliver value to you. And then exceed your expectations on the amount of value. That's the goal. All right, guys. I got some Antarctica photos already pulled up here for the for the jawjacking. We got a lot to cover. I'm excited. I've got a new, uh, uh, a hashtag passive observer reached out to me and gave a amazing idea that I'll share with you at the jawjacking. You guys are going to love it. Believe me. But it is, what's your meme Thursday? Get ready to uh, LOL. 
and say thank you to Haircut Fish and Justin Gold. Ready, guys? Here's your meme. GRC. Aliens. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Thank you so much to Haircut Fish for his continued support of the Simply Cyber Daily Th Cyber Threat Briefing with What's Your Meme Thursday. He brings the heat, man. Love it, love it, love it. All right. I'll, I'll, just, I'll just let that sit there for a minute, okay? 123 of you guys here today, love it. GRC is everywhere. Alex, I'm on a mission to make GRC socially acceptable. <laughs> All right, let's continue on the story. I've got a lot in the jawjacking segment to share with you guys. Thank you so much. Stay tuned. Also, just really quickly, I want to remind you that right after this episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing, the first of a two-part series is dropping. Do entry-level cybersecurity jobs even exist? Okay? We're going to be watching that live together at 11 a.m. Eastern time if you're down with that. All right, let's get back to the news. ASML employee stole chip data. In the world of chip making, the Dutch firm ASML remains a key supplier, providing lithography equipment required for cutting edge chip processes. The company disclosed that a China-based employee stole confidential information. Bloomberg sources say the theft included technical information, but not hardware. No other specifics, although ASML said the theft wasn't material to its business. It informed the Dutch trade ministry as this could constitute a violation of export controls. Last year, it also accused a China-based firm of stealing trade secrets. Japan and the Netherlands recently agreed to further technology exports on shipmaking equipment to China. ASMR says ex-employee in China. Oh, ASML, my bad, my bad. Click, 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 click. Nails on the mic. Listen, ASML, it's just a chip manufacturer. Guys, if you've been following the story, um, this is like less cyber. Although I will say that this, that you could pull this into a cyber story saying it's insider threat, it's intellectual property, it is espionage. Uh, China is very good at this, all right? And if you've been studying the macro level picture, guys, here's what's been happening. China, um, you know, lots of stuff gets manufactured out of China, but China doesn't have the raw chip, uh, like, not technology. Like, they can manufacture the crap out of some chips, but they don't have, like, the, 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 the patents, the IPs, the blueprints for making the chips and stuff like that. On top of that, the United States has been slowly decoupling itself from China, right? You, you may not be aware of this, but, like, there's been a major shift as china begins to ramp up their kind of like what appears to be kind of a, a goal of being a new world order and being the first world power um excuse me they are a first world power but unseating the united states is kind of like the the power player in the world um so the united states has been putting like it's like it's almost like diplomatic posturing the united states signed a deal with japan and Germany or Japan and Denmark it's like whatever um to not export chips and chip technology stuff into China so like sides are being chosen lines are being drawn etc and China is good at espionage and they're like oh no 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 we're still gonna do this so it, it doesn't surprise me okay and I'm not hating on China okay I don't want this to be seen as like uh, um 
like, ugh, like if you know if you're a China citizen, like I've got a problem with you. I, it, this is like China, the country, uh, and I'm just, you know, these are just my thoughts on. It, okay, based on documented examples of espionage committed by Chinese citizens or on behalf of the Chinese government, that's where I'm getting this from. Okay, this isn't um, anti-Chinese. Okay, so. They are very good at espionage, and it doesn't surprise me that they stole this data. Um, and by the way, like the the genie's out of the bottle. Like, oh, okay, like you're gonna the 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 Denmark government or the Netherlands government or wherever it is is going to um, put like um, some type of some type of like regulatory backlash on China. It doesn't matter, dude. China got the blueprints. Go ahead, put regulatory backlash. We're already we're already seeing this decoupling. What's some regulatory backlash gonna do other than make you feel good? Okay, it is there. There's this is just another step in what is this long, slow decoupling of China from kind of the global uh, supply chain, global economy, and stuff like that. Okay, um, yeah. Thanks, Johnny. Like, I I just want to be clear, guys. I'm not like. I just want to be clear and I'm not saying it just to protect my own I'm saying it because it's how I feel all right so just this doesn't surprise me that's that's the TLDR here the city of Oakland declares state of emergency after ransomware the Californian city first experienced a ransomware attack on February 8th in the update announcing the state of emergency the city said it continues to struggle with the fallout with several non-emergency systems including phone lines within the city of Oakland impacted or offline the state of emergency will allow officials to speed obtaining equipment, deploying personnel, and issuing orders to help bring services back online. No word on if the attacks obtained any data or what ransom they demanded. Um, wow. So a couple things here. One, yes, uh, we knew about this story already. M cities, municipalities, state, local government, they're not equipped um, to handle serious cyber attacks. They don't have the staff, they don't have the money. Declaring a state of emergency is more of just a bureaucratic action. Like, I mean, I, there's no doubt that they're in uh, crisis mode, which by the way, is why I tell you guys and, and like, you know, champion it. You should like barricade cyber solutions. You should have a plan in place to begin with. You should understand what's going on because when you get hit in the mouth and you don't know what to happen, what to do, you're like, ah, state of emergency. This is a bureaucratic thing in order to unlock money, unlock resources, get access to emergency resources that are, you know, put in reserves for emergencies. Okay. Now, um, you know, basically Oakland has probably hired someone like Mandiant, some type of, um, you know, incident response company to come in and help interface with the threat actors i don't know if they're going to pay the ransom or not you're going to have to uh pay to rebuild the systems obviously the city is in a business like for profit so they're not like losing revenue but obviously um you know citizens might not be able to pay their taxes citizens might not be able like i don't know traffic lights might be out um you know um 911 might be down stuff like that um yeah, voicemail and other non-emergency services were disrupted. 911 wasn't. Okay, so that's cool, right? That's cool. Uh, I just want to point out another thing. It doesn't say how much the ransom was, but they do talk about the city of Atlanta, which suffered a ransomware incident um, like in 2000, 
15? 2015? Hold on. Let's fact check Jerry really quickly. Atlanta ransomware attack. 2000... 2018. Ugh, I lied to you. All right, 2018. Liz Wharton over at Scythe uh, was involved. She was a lawyer over in Atlanta at that time. She spoke about it in the past. It's good. What I want to tell you about here is the ransom was $51,000 um, for Atlanta. They refused to pay, and they spent millions of dollars to recover. $51,000 seems like a dream ransom honestly guys like the ransoms nowadays are much higher i think on average again eric taylor in chat check fact check me on this one I, i'm doing a uh, i'm building a deck right now for a ransomware talk i'm giving in april and i believe the average ransomware this might be for healthcare only because it's a healthcare talk i'm giving the average ransomware is now like around one hundred and eighty thousand dollars. um so anyways yep if you work in, if, hey, Justin Gold, if you work in state and local municipality governments, might want to flag this one. Share it with your management. Copilot stops narking on secrets. GitHub updated its Copilot AI-powered code suggestion system to now filter out auto-completing secrets like keys, credentials, and passwords. Its training set includes these on novel strings. GitHub says these suggestions were already entirely fictitious, but now it will just block them entirely. The update will also block Copilot from suggesting other security faux pas, like hard-coded credentials, path injections, or SQL injections. The tool also added a new fill-in-the-middle mode, which allows developers to leave a gap for the AI to fill using a library of known code suffixes. Elsa All right. I, I will be asking at the end of the stream what you guys think about this music going on underneath. I'm not sure I like it. I want to say what's up. What's up to Stacy Loki? Team can't sleep. Love it. Glad, uh, thanks for jumping on here, Stacy. All right, so Copilot is basically AI that helps you write software uh, in GitHub. Okay, if you guys don't know, yes, ChatGPT. Shall we play a game? ChatGPT can write software, and yeah, it's cool and all that. But like Copilot is basically integrated into GitHub, and it allows you to. Uh, it basically helps you write code now. What's interesting is you've got to remember that AI, while it sounds cool and it can play global thermonuclear warfare simulations with you, Joshua. It is based on a model. So what is happening here is the AI is suggesting insecure coding practices, hard coding values, um, you know, maybe some vulnerabilities or bugs being introduced, like not doing input validation, for example, and stuff like that. GitHub's getting in front of it um, and basically stopping it from doing that altogether, which is a good practice, especially because as you can see uh, down here from the acceptance rate, uh, from June 2022 to December 2022, so a six month window, you can see that more and more developers on GitHub are accepting, like like Copilot would like to suggest this, accept yes or no, accept. It went up 8%, right? Or roughly, uh, that's roughly what? Like a 35, 40% increase in adoption over a six month period. Based on this trend line, you would have to imagine that um, it went up 3% in three months and then 5%. So that that right there is a 50% additional month over month or you know quarter over quarter adoption rate. So you would have to imagine that this might go up to like 42% um, in uh, June, 2023. So the TLDR, more people are using GitHub Copilot and accepting the changes. So the fact that Microsoft, AKA GitHub, is making an effort to stop 
bad information, uh, bad cybersecurity software development practices is fantastic. Again, you know, shout out, shout out, shout out to Microsoft. They bought GitHub. Microsoft has really been doing a good work um, the last like, oh God, 10 years, eight years, 10 years, um, year over year in making sec security an actual priority, right? There's security theater. And then there's actually making security a priority and Microsoft has done excellent. In fact, Microsoft, it, it's, it's, it's worth noting because Microsoft used to be such a freaking joke uh, with security. Um, like back in the day, like the late nineties, early two thousands, like windows operating system was a joke. Internet Explorer was a joke. Um, so macros, right? VBA. So anyways, they, they have gone a long way and I, I for one commend them. Salvador plans Bitcoin embassy. The country's ambassador to the U.S. said it plans to open a Bitcoin embassy in Texas, claiming it could help expansion of commercial and economic exchange projects. It began talks with Texas's Deputy Secretary of State Joe Esparza about the project. This isn't the first time El Salvador planned a foreign location to advocate for the cryptocurrency. It also signed a memorandum of understanding with the Swiss city Lugano last year to create a Bitcoin office. In June 2021, El Salvador became the first country to recognize Bitcoin as legal tender. As of March 2022, a study found that only 14% of businesses completed at least one transaction in Bitcoin in the country. What did they just say? Hold on. I, I'm just going to back it up 15 seconds because I that last thing was um, confusing. In June 2021, El Salvador became the first country to recognize Bitcoin as legal tender. As of March 2022, a study found that only 14% of businesses completed at least one transaction in Bitcoin in the country. Okay, so, uh, okay, so I'm going to first I'm going to speak objectively, then I'm going to put on my tinfoil hat and, um, you know, make some make some speculations. Okay, so El Salvador, a lot of the Central American or, uh, you know, Northern South American and Central American countries are like on Bitcoin, right? So Venezuela, if I'm not mistaken, Venezuela at one point had made Bitcoin like its official currency. Um, again, might want to fact check me on that one. Let me see this really quickly. Venezuela, Bitcoin. Um, yeah, let me, let me just see this. Crypto is not legal tender. Okay. Well, I don't know what this website is, but um, uh, so this is 2021. Okay. Again, so I'm, I'm I'm just googling quickly. I'm seeing a little bit of mixed. Um, I'm seeing some mixed stories, so I'm not sure. But I had heard that Bitcoin was like legal tender in there. All right. So here's the thing: if you make it legal tender or the official currency, right? The Bitcoin is so volatile and we just went through crypto winter where like the value of Bitcoin has gone down incredibly, right? So I, look at this, man. Holy crap. It's, 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 it's actually up quite a bit. So it was down to 16,000 in November and now it's up to 24,000. This isn't financial advice. We're just doing this on the fly. So you could see how in incredibly volatile it is, right? This is a five-year um, frame. So looks like it is going up a little bit. 
El Salvador has like gotten in bed with this and wants it to be whatever. So they're creating Bitcoin embassies. I don't really understand what that is. I do find it interesting that they're like having an ally in Texas instead of saying the United States, right? Like Texas, I, I know you guys have your own power grid and you like to think of yourselves as like <laughs> your own country, but you are a state in the United States. Um, so, in, hey, you know what? Uh, Carrie, BSAC, all the, all, you know, Clint, if you're in here, all the Texas people, like, is there, is there like a crypto movement going on down there that I don't know about? I don't know why El Salvador would open a crypto embassy in Texas. Um, but all I'll say about this story, hold on, of course, I missed this opportunity. Sorry, guys. I'm a crypto evangelist. I love it, love it, love it. Yep. So I don't know why they're doing this. Um, you know, Bitcoin is like people are Bitcoin is like so scammy and, and like people are scamming the crap out of everybody with cryptocurrency in general. So there's not a lot of confidence in the market by individuals wanting to use it because they're getting scammed or it's too complicated to use. El Salvador has obviously gotten in all in on on this. So creating a Bitcoin embassy to me is a move to further legitimize Bitcoin to El Salvador and kind of open up. Uh, opportunities to engage. I did see someone in chat say that 14% of businesses accepting at least one Bitcoin transaction is incredibly high. Um, you know, I guess I, I, I'd have to really think about that. My initial thought was that's pretty low and kind of indicative that, you know, despite all the posturing, um, the businesses aren't really um, interested in that. I do know Venezuela, I would assume El Salvador, they are having like hyperinflation and they're having economic hard times. Um, like bread is really expensive, toilet paper is expensive, uh, that type of stuff. So this could be one way to do it. Now, from a speculative perspective, I have to assume that this is just <laughs> wealthy people creating opportunities to be able to accumulate more wealth. I, it just with with these trading platforms and like what's this? What is the point of the Bitcoin embassy in Texas? Texas has a lot of money, right? There's a lot of oil in Texas. Right? I don't know if El Salvador does a lot of oil. I know Venezuela does. So I don't know if this is some mechanism to be able to make transactions happen between two parties um, around that type of uh, commerce. But you could see here, El Salvador has lost tens of millions of dollars on crypto right there in the title. So not really good. Not really good. Maybe it maybe it's like a uh, a death knell where they're trying to um, keep it alive, revive it, and keep it from declining further. I don't know. Okay. All right. I think that's when you think about building a plane. All right. So that is it for the news today. Just for the news. Uh, before you go, I just want to remind you in 15 minutes if you want to go grab a coffee and uh, uh, hit the head and then come back, we will be doing. This premiere, this video, entry-level cyber, where are all the cyber entry-level cybersecurity jobs? How to get started? It's part. It's it's a two-part video. Uh, today, this one's dropping at 11 a.m. You can join us. Many of us will be watching it live in chat. Um, I think it's really cool. I'm I'm super pumped about it. Want to thank Aaron KG uh, for being involved in the development of this one and the one tomorrow. Definitely love the support and help I'm getting from the community. But if you were here just for the news, I bid you adieu. Thank you very much. We will be back tomorrow, Friday at 9 a.m. Eastern time. For, uh, 8 a.m. Eastern time. 8 a.m. Eastern time tomorrow. Um, and scheduling note, Monday's show, Monday is President's Day. I will be traveling Monday morning and will be unable to... 
do the daily cyber threat briefing. I'll literally be driving. So unless you guys want me to do like the most uber horrible driver uh, move where I'm live streaming with a vlog set up and driving with my family <laughs> and flipping out about the top cybersecurity news stories of the day, um, you know, maybe maybe you guys just give me some grace and realize that Monday we will not have a show. Now, if you're here for some jaw jacking, settle in. I've got some fun stuff to share with you guys. Thank you all for being here. A couple cool things to share. So first of all, let me get this audio right. First of all, uh, I'm super, super pumped about this um, this video that's dropping at 11 a.m. Like I said, there's two there's two videos. I, I like made the video. The video was like 30 minutes long. I was like just flipping out all over the place. And when it was done, I was like, the reality is I know many of you in chat would watch a 30 minute video, but trying to reach people at in mass and mentor at scale, you have to make it consumable for the way that people want to consume it. And 30 minute videos aren't gonna work. Like it, it would just, it'd be like throwing water against a wall. So I, I had to break it into two videos. Um, definitely pumped about it. I think it's gonna be good. Now, let me share with you this really cool, let me share with you this really cool idea that uh, a, a community member had, okay? Starting next Tuesday, okay? Starting next Tuesday, and we're still trying to flesh out all the details, but I hope you guys enjoy this. I, I'm super pumped about it, okay? Kimberly. Great cash, homie. Every time I say Kimberly's name, I play Randy Moss sound effect. I, I already like teased this out to Kimberly yesterday, but here's the big reveal. I'm super pumped about it, okay? So it's going to be the hashtag Simply Cyber Community Challenge. And essentially what's gonna happen is I'm gonna kick it off on Tuesday's show and I'm gonna call out um, one, I'm gonna actually call out this individual uh, who, who came up with this idea and I love it. And I'm gonna ask him, I'm gonna call him out. I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring attention to him and ask him to go on LinkedIn and post a little bit about, about himself, tag me, tag Simply Cyber, what is he grateful for? What what has he gotten out of the community? Whatever. Hashtag Simply Cyber Community Challenge, okay? That would be the kickoff. And I want him to say one of X. One of X in, in the in the comment, okay? Then on the following day's show, so on Wednesday's show, he is now responsible for tagging the next person, for adding the next link in the chain. He will call out someone, maybe Jim Lunn, for example. Hey, Jim Lunn, Simply Cyber Community Challenge. So Jim Lunn is now on the hook to go comment. What's he, what, you know, what's he, what's he all about, right? And asking everybody in chat to go connect with Jim on LinkedIn or whoever, right? Whoever's got the chain at that point. It's, it's A, to, so we learn more about each other. B, so we can bring our network like enrich our own network, you know, add more connections, right? A thousand connection challenge, right? And Jim, or the second person would say two of X, Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Jim has to show up the next day, right? And throw and then throw it to someone else, right? And if, and if we get, if there's a break in the chain, then there's a break in the chain, that's no problem. We'll start the chain over, okay? We will work on this and refine it, but I think it's a really, really cool idea. It's going to bring attention to some people, like maybe you're a hashtag, 
passive observer, by the way, this individual is the one who coined the term passive observer. I want to enable you to kind of, networking is so freaking important, okay? Networking is so freaking important in our industry, whether you're looking for a job or you already have one. You could get laid off tomorrow. Big tech is laying off all over the place, right? So you could have a wicked safe job, wicked solid, you crush it, you get laid off tomorrow, right? Having a network is so vitally important, but some people don't know how to do it. Some people are nervous, introverted, imposter syndrome. I have nothing of value to gain. This is an opportunity to kind of kickstart it for each of us as we do this day over day. And I'm hoping that you enjoy it. I'm, I'm excited to see where it goes. Okay. So that's the deal. I'll, I'll field questions. I was like looking at you in the camera, not, not, um, not wait, hold on. Let me do this chat. Not doing uh, that. So let me see what people. So Jim Lund likes the idea. Kimberly likes the idea right now. It, yeah. It's Stacy baby steps. Exactly. Exactly. And I feel like once you kind of like, once you, like once you do it once or twice, like you, you start to feel more comfortable with it. You start to expand, you start to grow in your own direction. Right. And that's really what I want people from simply cyber, right? It's not for me to be, you know, in the front of the line, leading the charge. It's to enable each of you to, to lead your own charges to, to, I want to serve the community. And I want, I want you networking is so vitally important. I can't emphasize it enough. It's so, so important that I want to give you all the tools and, 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 and kickstart you if you're having a little bit of struggle with networking. I'm like sweating from that layout there. Holy crap. Woo. Yeah, so Funky Monk, like, hey, no problem. Dude, like we'll, we'll run into situations where like, oh, hey, like uh, Jerry calls out Funky Monk for the Simply Cyber Community Challenge. You can decline absolutely decline no 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 hey there's no judgment here you're in the simply cyber daily cyber threat briefing that's great networking okay so this is not this is not to impose on anybody okay this is not to impose lonnie taylor it's impo it's intimidating exactly exactly why i want to do this initiative and and and, and make it less intimidating right it's kind of like a little action item like go do it and you're going to get a bunch of connections. A lot of people commenting on. There was a LinkedIn post the other day where a woman said, um, and I, I can't remember her name right now, unfortunately, but she said like, oh, like I, I heard, you know, from Jerry Osher tagged me that networking is so important. I'm really nervous. Like she wrote a very nervous post. Like I'm really nervous, imposter syndrome. I don't feel like whatever. And like that comment blew up because people are like, you know, like hashtag preach. Like I, I feel that too. I understand like, yes. And then other people are like, well, here's ways to network. And by the end of the thread, I mean, she had like tens of thousands of views, hundreds of comments. And she, you could tell that she was like, boom, like, boom, I am now comfortable with this networking thing, which is awesome. Casually Joseph, in my experience, random where, oh, okay. So he's talking about ransomware payments, ransomware payments. Yep. Totally agree. Jeff Watala. Yeah, we'll work on it together, guys. It's just an initiative. <laughs> it is kind of like the first day of school, Justin Gold. All right. A couple other things um, to mention. I had a meeting with Eric Silberman yesterday um, in chat. Um, there will be a, uh, a vulnerability management analyst masterclass, kind of modeled after the GRC analyst masterclass. 
that he and I will be tag teaming or co-authoring. Um, stay tuned for that. So I've, I've got I've got a super secret project I'm working on. That's a course that will be free. I can't tell you about, but it'll be out. It'll be out in March. Then I've got Cyber 101 that I'm working on. That's like a college course. Um, and then there's the Vulnerability Management Analyst Masterclass. How do you network on YouTube without real names? I mean, just chatting, sharing information. But I mean, at some point, you're going to have to... Not you're going to have to, but like... Like, the value of networking is contributing to the network and stuff like that. But if you ever... You know, if someone's like, oh, hey, like, I, I found a cool opportunity and you would be the person, like, at some point you're going to have to identify, you know? You don't have to do it publicly. You can do it through DMs and stuff. Yeah. Adam Novak's talking about his first job. Worked as a vulnerability analyst at Accenture. Yeah, Accenture is a great company. Those those professional services company, Accenture, Capgemini, KPMG, Deloitte, SEIC, SRC, Lockheed Martin, Halliburton, like they they love hiring junior talent because they can pay them less. And they have great it's a win-win for everybody because they they can hire talent cheap and make more money off your back, but you also get a structured program and you can really mature quickly. No, Shuttle Crab. So, Cybersecurity 101 it, it will maybe split into cybersecurity 101 and 102 or just is 101 and it's just one big class vulnerability and vulnerability management analyst masterclass will be a completely separate class and eric silberman is taking the lead on it i'm helping him but a lot of the a lot of the video content will be eric but i i i've i've worked with i've i it'll be good content trust me oh yeah three minutes to boom i love it carrie thank you Thanks, Nathan Bowen. All right. Oh, also, <laughs> forgot about this too. Um, I, guys, I'm terrible at marketing. Like I have so much stuff going on. Sometimes I just like straight up forget about what I'm doing. Uh, today at 4.30 p.m. Eastern time, Zach Hill. Many of you know Zach Hill. Run, run CMD, IT careers. Uh, questions, chief content hacker at TCM Security. Uh, TCM just released a or launched like a whole new career services program that's pretty dope. Um, Zach's going to come on talk a little bit about that program, but I also want the conversation to go much broader. Of like, you know, if you're trying to get a job, like what are the mistakes people are making? What are quick wins that people can have? Like, what what resume mistakes are people making? Stuff like that. Um, yeah, Zach is really cool. If you guys don't know about Zach, this dude is a community uh, contributor. Okay, thanks, Poner Joe. Appreciate it, Poner Joe. Good to see you. Yeah, he is amazing. Um, so the question is, do I have a link for the talk in April? No. So Poner Joe, um, there is a company that uh, basically is paying paying me it's a, it's a it's a gig right so a company is flying me to san diego to speak to about 80 80 executives um that work with this company um in healthcare 
I can't really, I don't want to disclose any more information, but it's not a public talk. It's, it's a gig. So. All right, let's check this out. How are we doing over here? Starting shortly. All right. Yeah, it's pretty good. I, I will tell you March 1st, um, I am giving a public talk um, at uh, Anti-Siphons um, Offensive Con. I, I don't know what this one's called. Um, Anti-Siphon Summit. I'm waiting, I'm waiting to find out what time slot I have, but basically this is a, a talk I'm doing. And then um, I'll, I'll, I'll be speaking at Wild West Hackenfest. I've already committed to that. Um, and then, yeah, that's what's going on. Ooh, all right, guys. It looks like the uh, entry-level cyber is about to drop. Uh, I would do, do be, if you do enjoy the video, hit the like, um, and share it on social media. I really, I feel passionate about this video and the one tomorrow. All right, guys, I got a boogie G gaming with the cat. Yeah, I might be able to, uh, replay it. I'm not sure. I'll see you guys at four 30. Hey, Clarity Trades, don't worry about imposter syndrome. You're doing great. You've got a lot of great stuff uh, underneath you already. Just know that everybody suffers. I suffer from imposter syndrome. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm giving a talk at this conference, and it's an offensive security conference. I don't even feel qualified to do it, but I found a way that would make sense for me to contribute to that conference, and I'm, I'm leaning into it. Have a great day, everybody. I hope to see you over at the premiere. I'll drop a link in chat really quick before I boogie out of here. If you just want to do the news, I'll see you tomorrow at 8 a.m. Eastern time. Best wishes, everybody. Have a good one. And until 4.30 p.m. tonight or uh, 8 a.m. tomorrow, stay secure.